Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wisdom's Echo. This is a daily podcast brought to you exclusively by Origin Gate. My name is Elijah Ward, and it's my incredible honor to be sharing with you some insights for today. Um, you know, I want to share from my meditations lately. I want to be open about my engagement because the Father has been drawing me deeper and deeper into places within Him that are new and that are fresh to me. You know, um, there's a depth of worship that I believe that Yahweh is calling us into collectively as a body. Now, we've been faithful to do um, a whole lot of things for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of the, mat- the, the maturation of the sons throughout the earth. Um, and it's been great. It has helped us pioneer entire new frontiers within the kingdom and new realms of understanding and new functions of our um, just multifaceted nature of, of our being as sons. We've awakened to so much. Um, and it's fantastic, but Yahweh has been um, taking me from that new foundation of all the places that I've discovered in him and has been bringing me back into a place of surrender again and understanding the wonder and the awe of being caught up in worship. Now, I think all of this really comes back to our ability to see him. You know, when we um, when we set ourselves to see him more clearly, we fall into deeper places of wonder and awe as a byproduct of that. You know, sometimes we set ourselves too much to, um, to initiating within ourselves, kind of trying to create within ourselves a new capacity for wonder and awe or a new sense of wonder and awe. And so we begin actually chasing wonder and awe when really we should be seeking and pursuing and chasing new revelations of his face, um, new uh, moments of connection to his heart. We should be pursuing. Um, and when I say pursuing, I mean, we should be stopping and beholding. We should be discontinuing the work of the things that we're trying to establish sometimes and sitting back and recentering ourselves in the glorious union of what we have with him relationally speaking. And so um, we have to set ourselves to discover him with our new eyes, our spirit eyes that he's given us. Um, and that will institute those deeper places of worship um, for us. We don't have to carve out new, um, uh, new, a new sense of wonder. We just have to look at him and he will absolutely amaze us. And so that's where my heart has been lately, but I want to share with you what that's been producing. Now I'm on the road today. And so it's, it's so fun to be able to stop and to be able to just be in my car, to be wherever I am and to be sharing and connecting with all of you around the world. So if you hear a car honking their horn or, um, something hitting my windshield, (laughs) then, uh, it's completely normal. Um, but I want to read to you some scripture, um, and uh, I want to tell you what the Father's been saying to me about that scripture. Now, this is a popular portion of scripture, and it's been taught on a lot. But I want to bring out some pieces from this that the Father has been highlighting to me as significant to um, the content of the story. But before I get there, I want to explain to you kind of what he brought me through. Now, this story, the Father's been calling it the the story of the lower room. And when that, when that title struck my spirit um, as what the father was identifying as the uncommon grace embedded within this kind of portion of scripture that he wanted to transact with me. It reminded me of another portion of scripture that we call the upper room. Now, the cool thing as I began meditating on the upper room 
The cool thing about that whole situation is that it had to do with Yahweh elevating the sons of Yahweh in the earth and pouring out his spirit and empowering us to be bold and to be vocal and to be miraculous on um, in the, the platforms that he's given us in the marketplace and in our neighborhoods and in our communities, there was a pouring out of his spirit that activated those 120 in that room that day to just be a powerful force of liberation um, and consecration uh, during that time in and in that culture. And so when I think about the upper room, I think about a place of being um, of being elevated and being glorified. And I see it as a place and a, um, and kind of a moment or a landmark in history where Yahweh glorified his sons. And it's similar to when, um, Yeshua in John 17 said, glorify your son, father, that your son may glorify you. Well, I see the upper room encounter and what happened during that time, um, as Yahweh glorifying his sons and really setting us apart and empowering us to be great and glorious in the earth on his behalf. And uh, there was a lot that was transacted in that passage and in that moment of history when the upper room event unfolded. And it's stuff that we don't, we can't read about this in scripture, but the Lord has taught me so much about what was transacted and how closely related it is to the moment in Genesis chapter 11 when it says that during the construction of the Tower of Babel, that there was a language that was um, that was removed from the, the access that the people had. And it said that because they're of one language, um, that nothing for them shall be impossible. And so what Yahweh did when he showed up was not take away their resources. He took away their language. And so there's a key about the language of heaven being uh, giving access to higher realities and greater possibilities. And so in the upper room encounter is when the Lord gave a language back and it empowered the sons again. So I, I know that the Lord has shown me so many different connections to um, from the moment of the upper room to the moment of actually ancient moment of the tower of of Babel and what unfolded there, but there's so many secrets in that story. Now, Yahweh has been teaching me though about the lower room. Now, the lower room is a place that I've discovered is where um, where we come back to our source and our supply of all strength and all wonder and all awe, and we begin to glorify Him again. It's not that we ever stopped glorifying Him in the place and in the posture and in the anointing of the upper room where we receive the Spirit and where we become powerful and we put on miraculous displays of His kingdom in this earth. But the lower room is where we really set ourselves to lay down and to cast at his feet and to go deeper in the place of worship and deeper in the place of intimacy and deeper in the place of wonder and awe. The lower room is the place I was made for to glorify my king, to pour myself out, to, to cast everything I have of value at his feet and to be fully surrendered to him. So I want to read to you what the Lord spoke to me and called the lower room. And again, it's going to be very familiar to you. And I hope that as I begin reading this, that the Holy Spirit begins to create, um, uh, just begins to transact things, begins to um kind of cause things to snap into place in your spirit and, and, and make you come alive in this um, anointing and in this posture of the lower room. So it's in John chapter 12, um, starting in the first verse. It's about Mary anointing 
Yeshua. And it says this, Six days before the Passover, Yeshua therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Yeshua had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Yeshua and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of this perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his many disciples, um, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Yeshua then said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now, I think what happens in this passage is absolutely breathtaking. That Mary, that in, in this place, let me just set the atmosphere here, that there are many gathered around this table and they're there to have a meal, to be with Yeshua. They're, these are the people who are closest to him and who have set themselves to be disciples, which that word means learners. They've decided to give of their life, to surrender their um, their own life and draw near to him and remain in a place of proximity to the king of kings. So all these people are important in the kind of narrative of scripture. But one of them, though, Mary gets down in this when she's beholding him at the table. And during this time of where they're supposed to be feasting and, and celebrating, she gets down on her knees and she begins to pour out the most expensive thing she has on his feet. And by doing so, she says that this is worth more to me than everything I have possession of. And I love how in this story that there's, there's a few things that stick out to me that I wrote down that I want to share with you. Some distinguishing factors of this story that show this posture of the lower room where we're laying ourselves down at his feet and pouring ourselves into him. Now, the oil, I believe, represents her life, her finances, everything that she owns, because that, that the value of that oil is pretty significant. When I look in the footnote of my Bible, and it says, um, when Judas actually mentioned that the oil was uh, could be sold for 300 denarii, the, um, the footnote in my Bible says, a denarius was a day's wage for labor, for a laborer. And so what he was saying is that this oil that she's pouring out is worth 300 days of um, of labor. It's almost, to me, I see it as being very close or just a couple months away from an entire year's salary for her. That she was poor, it represented her time, her life, and even her skill and her talents and um, her vocation. All of those things that she used that would be worth what that oil was worth, she was pouring it out. She saw that everything was, uh, was not even to be compared to the value of the one who was sitting in her midst. And so she got on her knees and she poured that oil out and over tears, she anointed the feet of her Messiah. So the revelation of this depth of worship is absolutely beautiful. And so one of those distinguishing factors to me is the value of her oil that Mary understood one thing is that there was nothing that she had possession of that was anywhere near 
worth what the what the Messiah was worth to her and that she would so freely and so joyfully and so liberally pour that out on him. Now, another thing that stuck out to me was that when she was doing this, that the, it said the fragrance of that of what was happening filled the entire house. Now, we want um, I think all of us can say that we want to have all of our families impacted by this. Like when you fall in love with Yahweh, you don't want to just be alone in that. You want that to touch the lives of everyone around you. And I just want to point out that when she sets herself in the in the posture of the lower room, that posture of deep worship and that posture of setting yourself to fall deeper into places of intimacy with the king, that when she did that, it wasn't just Yeshua that that observed that. It wasn't just Yeshua that that could um, kind of take in the fragrance of that of, of that moment of what she was doing for him and to him, but the entire house was full of the fragrance. Everyone present was partaking in the beautiful fragrance of what was unfolding. So I just want to encourage you, this really blessed me, that if you have people in your life that you want to be impacted by what, what the Lord is transacting in your life, then set yourself to be, go deeper in in worship. I had a friend tell me one time, he said, how do you make people hungry for God? He said, how do you make people hungry for anything? What you do is you eat in front of them. It sounds so simple, but it's, it can be that simple that if you want people to partake in this, then partake in front of them. Partake, enjoy Yahweh and let them smell of the spiritual fragrance of what's happening and see of the evidence of the joy in your life so that they too can understand how they can find that same thing. Now, another thing I want to point out before I, before I wrap up is that this really really blessed me. Now, this moment of the lower room that took place in John 12, when Mary's anointing the feet of Yeshua, is the same, it's in the same kind of portion of scripture, just it's the following chapter um, of the story when Yeshua raised Lazarus from the dead. And so um, many of you know that story, but Mary is Lazarus' um, sister. And so I love how it points out in this that in the, the next chapter over, it doesn't just bring up Mary and talk about Mary and Martha being with Yeshua, but it, it mentions a small detail. It says, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Now, I think this is so incredible because what, what, what that statement says is that the evidence of Yeshua's divinity was nearby. That in this moment when there was a depth of worship that was being accessed by Mary, who was faithful to get on her knees despite anyone who was watching. She didn't care who was present. She didn't even care what they thought. She probably even knew that Judas was... um, was who he was, that he was unreliable, that he was, um, you know, that he might've even been guilty. Who knows? But we all know that sometimes when you're around certain people, it's a little bit weird to, to express yourself in a certain way, but Mary did not care. She laid herself down and she poured herself out. And I think one of the things that, um, that was one of the reasons why it was an important detail to, to, for this story to say that Lazarus was nearby is because, that she was worshiping the one who is divinely evidenced in his um, in him being the exclusive record of God's divinity woven into the fabric of humanity. Like she had this revelation that he was the living God wrapped in human flesh. And so it's so important that this detail that Lazarus was nearby, the evidence of who he was was tangible. It was right there. It was so observable.
And I think it's great that in this story, we see something so unique that they were all gathered around the table to commune, to feast with one another. But that that table of communion was actually a table of the miraculous. That the that when you approach, if you want to find the evidence of God's miraculous nature in your life, if you're in search of a miracle, then why don't you stop chasing the miracle and start pursuing the table of communion? Wow. Start pursuing the table of communion with God and not even just that, but when you're at that table of communion, when you're at that place of feasting with the Lord and enjoying his presence, fall, engage in that lower room anointing and posture and fall to your knees and find yourself. If, you're, if you need a miracle in your life, go deeper in the posture of the lower room. Go deeper in a place of worship. Go deeper in a place of intimacy. Stop asking Yahweh and stop being so transactional with him in your cry and go deeper in intimacy. And I promise you that his desire is to satisfy your every need, whether that be a spiritual lack or a physiological need, um, whatever it might be that you have need of a miracle for. I would encourage you to go deeper in the place of worship. You know, Mary put on display such a beautiful picture of what it means to be a lover of God in this story. And it has been so rocking my world. And I just want to encourage everyone, you know, that if whether you feel called to go deeper in the places of the secrets and mysteries of Yahweh or go deeper on the front of, um, of the marketplace and, um, and, and wealth acquisition and wealth, um, you know, compounding even all these things, we're going to do so many things in the earth, but I want to encourage you to make sure you're always setting yourself to go deeper in the place of worship because that posture is just as powerful. To me, it's just as pivotal as the moment of the upper room that moment of the lower room is just as powerful and, um, and empowering um, for Mary, for all those who are present. And even it touches the heart of the Messiah. And so, you know, as you can tell, it just, it so deeply impacted me to read the story, to hear the father pour himself out about, um, about this story and how it's connected to some other things. Now, I wish I could talk for another hour about it, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to sign off this podcast and maybe I'll share a little bit more of what the Father's doing and pouring out in this regard in the next podcast. But I just pray that this blesses you and moves you into a place of deeper worship and activates some things in your life that you've been waiting to mobilize as you set yourself to adore the one true King. So I bless you all and I look forward to the next podcast. Shalom.